When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome, everyone, to Spark My Muse. I am your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and you are listening to Soul School, Lesson 254, Holiday Thought Distortions. Today is kind of a special episode that I'm going to do on Spark My Muse, and I'm going to ask you to do something sort of unusual. I'm going to ask you to encounter this episode with pen and paper. Take some notes. For people who support me financially at the show notes, the chart for all of this will be available. If you don't have access to that, taking notes will be extra important. Sometimes during the holidays, we're with more friends or family, and we can start to feel hijacked emotionally, we can feel triggered, we can feel dysregulated in our bodies, or just a little anxious and upset. And I actually have something that will be sort of like cheat codes. I'm excited to bring this to you because what we can do about some of the blind spots in our life is begin to see them as places we can work on and get some freedom in. So there are going to be 15 what are called cognitive distortions that I want to go over. And what happens is that a lot of times when we get dysregulated or upset when we're in certain stressful situations or unfamiliar situations, or just maybe situations that trigger old memories or old feelings, what we can wind up doing at the same time is sort of being ensnared in some thought distortions. And I'm going to go over what those are specifically, and you probably have heard some of these before, like catastrophizing and polarized thinking. But what I'm also asking you to do is to kind of take a personal inventory when some of this comes up for you, maybe in the month of December or for the next few weeks. And what that means is, suppose you're at a holiday party at your aunt's house and there's a lot of family members there. And there's this one particular uncle that makes you feel annoyed or uneasy. As those feelings come up, excuse yourself, maybe use the bathroom or take a step out and write down everything you're feeling. This might only take five minutes, but you can just write down sensations in your body. For instance, my stomach feels upset or I have some muscle tension or I feel uneasy, my chest feels tight and I feel nervous. Write down whatever you can and then then look at the list of cognitive distortions and see which ones you might be falling into at that moment. What you'll find is that as you link up with whatever cognitive distortions 
you have and you can reveal those to yourself, you will gain some freedom and you will realize reality is not exactly as I'm perceiving it and I'm more empowered now. I have more at my disposal. I have more resources within me than I realize I do. I'm not trapped in this situation and I'm not trapped by my emotions or my distorted thinking. But you can't really realize it's distorted thinking until you do a little bit of your own investigation and you're curious about yourself. It's not going to be able to happen if you're incredibly deregulated and you're all triggered and hopped up. But if you can get a moment to yourself to just process what you're feeling a little bit, write it down, and then check it against these 15, I think you're going to find that you have a lot more resources, a lot more emotional tools in your tool belt to deal with whatever situation you're encountering. So let's focus on a few of these distortions right now. And I'll try to describe them in a way that will make sense for some of the different situations you could be in. Okay, one of them is called filtering. And that's where in our minds, we focus on the negative and ignore the positive. A lot of the distorted thinking is born out of different kinds of trauma where we get stuck in an earlier developmental phase. We are sort of like children or immature people that we get caught in these thought patterns that a child might have and we never really progress beyond them. But since we don't look at them too carefully, we don't realize they're sort of childish ways of thinking, immature ways of thinking. So filtering would focus on the negative and ignore the positive. Many, many people do this, including myself. Suppose a whole bunch of people say something nice about an accomplishment that you did. Then one person says something that might be like a backhanded compliment. We'll focus all of our energy on that one little stupid thing a person said, and we'll ignore all the rest of the positive things. We'll filter out the positive things. That's filtering. We often do it. And if you find yourself doing it, you can kind of put yourself back into check and say, I realize that I'm focusing on the negative and I'm ignoring the positive. So what I'm perceiving now as reality is a little distorted. So I might want to take that into consideration about how I'm viewing my surroundings right now. Catastrophizing is where we're expecting the worst case scenario and we're minimizing the positive. So we might come into a situation where something seems to be going wrong or we're anticipating the worst. In this case, we are often minimizing all the experiences and all the strength and wisdom we've built up until then. We're disregarding that in a way and we're thinking the worst is going to happen. The worst is going to be said or done and we wind up dreading or having a lot of anxiety about what's ahead. And this is a distortion because it's really kind of a trauma response or a triggered response. It's not a correct perception of reality. Imagining the worst is really a kind of suffering that we're experiencing and placing on ourselves that's not rooted in the truth. Another one is called heaven's reward fallacy. And this is kind of like thinking that your self-sacrifice will be rewarded at some later time. This is where we put up with a lot of nonsense and not having real boundaries and taking abuse because we think, well, you know, I'm kind of doing this for the greater good. And because I'm kind of martyr and a kind of good person that I am, I'll just put up with this bad behavior or this bad situation because one day I'll be rewarded. And the problem with this fallacy is that it doesn't give people the boundaries they need so that you get the kind of security and safety you need. You should be also modeling this for the younger people around you or your own children. And whatever you think of as your self-sacrifice is a kind of distortion 
as well, because people aren't thinking of you as self-sacrificing. They're probably just thinking in selfish ways, or they're not really understanding that distortion that you're holding in your mind. Polarized thinking is another very common one. It's kind of an all-or-nothing complex. It's an all-or-nothing scenario. There's usually complexity and nuance in every situation. And if you think in very binary ways, it's a childish way of thinking. I'm thinking it's either going to go terrible, it's going to go wonderful. A person is really awful or a person is really wonderful. If you have a lot of binary thinking like that and polarized thinking like that, it doesn't reflect the reality and the nuances of life, the complications that come with regular life. If you see yourself tending towards this all or nothing thinking, realize that there's a thought distortion playing a part in your life. Not only will it distort your thinking, it'll block you from a lot of joy, a lot of connections that you could have in your life and make your life small. Always being right is another distortion. So this includes thinking of being wrong as unacceptable. And being right supersedes everything, including other people's feelings. Oftentimes, being right is not as important as being kind. You might be right, and in your process of being right, you alienate people who feel differently about something. So you wind up losing everything. You might have the claim to say that you're right about something, but in the end, you're really miserable to be around. Seeing being right or getting your way as the kind of pinnacle of living is an immature way of being in the world, and it makes you difficult to be around. So if you feel that you always must be right or you always must tell people what the right thing is to do and the right way of doing it, be assured that you're probably a difficult person to be around and People might want to really limit their contact with you. You will have a distortion of reality. Control fallacies is another one. Who's responsible? Who's to blame? This involves assuming only others are to blame or maybe only yourself is to blame. And this is kind of a lopsided way of looking at things. Usually problems or circumstances, again, they're nuanced. We don't always know who's to blame, but if we feel like Usually other people are mostly to blame for things that happen bad to you or happen bad in circumstances or a certain political party, a certain class of people, the manager or the boss, they are to blame. That is a cognitive distortion because it can't possibly be related completely to the truth. The same goes if you assume you are to blame. You're the reason why everything is going wrong. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Now, this distortion will creep in a little at a time. Most of us don't think we have these distortions until we examine them carefully and think, was I putting all the blame on this group or this person or the situation, but never taking any responsibility myself and not seeing the part I played? Or the reverse, was I putting all this on myself and feeling really awful about this and not realizing that other people could have played a part in how the situation went? We have to realize when we go back and look at our discomfort and our problems and situations, that there is nuance to them. And when we realize there is nuance, we don't hold so tightly and we don't suffer so much as we struggle through life. We know that life can be a struggle. That comes with it. And as we mature and grow, we realize we can withstand it by not seeing things so binary and black and white, and that we always have to be right, and that others are always to blame or that we are always to blame. Moving on to the seventh one, 
the fallacy of fairness. And this is an interesting one, how it can kind of creep in. It'll creep in when we feel jealous, envious of other people. We feel like we haven't gotten our fair shake. Why does somebody else have something and we don't? Life's just not fair. And we should have gotten a bigger chunk of the pie. This fallacy assumes that life is fair. Now, we all really probably know that life isn't fair, especially in our short lifetime. Maybe throughout the entire human epoch, maybe it all evens out. But we should never assume and expect that life is going to be fair. We just know by looking around, it's not. It won't be for other people, and it won't be for us. It's childish to assume that life is fair. So when we see somebody who has something that we don't have or has achieved something or seems to have some sort of happiness that we don't, sometimes we will suffer needlessly. We will have distorted thinking because we think, hey, why don't I have that? I should have the same thing they do. And it's needless suffering through this thought distortion. This can happen a lot at Christmas time because we see people getting amazing gifts. Maybe they get a car with a bow on the top. I don't know if that ever happens to anybody. But if it does, you might say, I've never gotten a car with a huge ribbon on top. And that's not fair. I see it happening all the time on TV. When we are noticing in our bodies and in our thoughts that stuff isn't fair. I feel upset, anxious, kind of angry, resentful. Maybe we're falling for this fallacy. The next one is personalization. This is the one where you think you're always assuming yourself responsible. For instance, if something goes bad, maybe you were to blame or someone was thinking about you during whatever it was that happened, that somehow things revolve around you and people had you in mind when they were deciding something. A lot of times we can, by distorted thoughts, we can think that we are the center of people's decisions or how events or situations went or that we are somehow responsible for how things worked out. Rarely is it the case that we hold that much sway and control and have that much power and influence. And so when we wind up personalizing how things have gone, if we feel like that has happened, we can look back and we can see that it's not possible for us to be responsible for all kinds of things that people have decided, choices people have made, or how situations have worked out. Personalization happens with children. There's a story of a little boy who was learning to be potty trained. And as he was on the potty, an earthquake happened, and his mom ran into the bathroom to see if he was okay, because some things had fallen off of the shelves, like toothpaste and toothbrushes. And he said, oh, mommy, mommy, what did I do? He thought he had caused the earthquake, because when you're a child, you think that you have this kind of great power to influence the environment around you. Occasionally, because of trauma, some of these omnipotent characteristics stay with us a little bit and distort our thinking. But most of the time, we have not that much influence in these greater things at all. Overgeneralization is a really good one that can cheat us out of all kinds of experiences and joys. Overgeneralization assumes a rule from one experience. Say that you had a conversation with someone and it went really poorly. And now you think, well, every time I talk about this topic to someone, it's going to go really badly. But in reality, that could have just been a person having a bad day. That could have just been a situation where it didn't go well. 
Sometimes we don't have the cognitive flexibility to realize that you can't overgeneralize a rule after just one experience. If there's patterns, maybe, but there's usually wiggle room and negotiation room and alternatives and options. Overgeneralization limits our options and decisions for usually an imaginary reason. Jumping to conclusions is related to this. It's another one of the cognitive distortions. It makes assumptions based on little evidence. So you bring some food to a party and the first person you see doesn't look at you and smile when you walk in. And then the second person doesn't look at you as you're bringing in your food and you're smiling the whole time. And you think to yourself, well, this, this is a very snotty group. And you might jump to conclusions about the people at the party. But what might actually be happening is that people are busy or people just didn't see you and they were concerned about their own situations. If you jump to conclusions about how people are or what the situation is without having some curiosity and exploring and experimenting a little bit and validating your suspicions with an open mind, you'll start to react to your environment as if one thing is true, as if your perceptions are reality, and then you will create a reality where people act strange with you and then you'll prove your conclusions at that point. It's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecies. Sometimes we jump to conclusions and we make those conclusions possible with our distorted thinking. That's really a sad situation. Instead of jumping to conclusions, which is hard to know that you're doing, you have to really back things up and say to yourself, is it possible that I jump to a conclusion without enough evidence? You should have lots of evidence before you make a big decision about a person or a situation. You should have an open mind and wait till you have plenty of evidence because this will really affect your experiences and can make you suffer needlessly. Emotional reasoning is a really subtle and insidious one. Emotional reasoning basically says, if I feel it, it must be true. Now our emotions are very helpful and they give us information, but we're not always really good at understanding what that information is and deciphering it in the proper way. So you might say to yourself, well, I feel really anxious and uneasy around this person. It must be true that I can't trust them. That's just one example. This could be true for any sort of emotion you feel. The problem with thinking that is that our emotions change a lot. The one thing we can know about our emotions is that they change. Realize that sometimes you will misinterpret your emotions. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you're perceiving your environment correctly. It doesn't mean that you're not having distorted thoughts, especially if you're a person that gets easily triggered and dysregulated. You're going to be on high alert. So your emotions are going to be wildly erratic at times. That will mean that you are misperceiving. Your thoughts are distorted. What you're going to need is some support and some backup, a little extra help. You'll need to feel safe in your own body. And maybe you'll need to have someone who has your back before you decide that everything you feel is exactly how things are. Blaming. Blaming is another one, and it assumes that everybody else is at fault. Now, this will happen when we feel kind of defensive and backed against the wall. And suppose that you forgot to bring something or do something. And someone says, hey, you forgot that. And you go, oh, it's this person's fault. It's this person's fault. I would have done that, but you asked so much of me. As soon as we resort to blaming, we're in a massive defense mechanism. This reveals distorted thoughts because we're not claiming any kind of responsibility for something 
that someone has pointed out. Did you forget the thing? Yeah, maybe you did. So that's okay. You could say, oh, yeah, you're right. Blaming assumes that you don't have any responsibility for your actions. It's childish. It's possible that other people are somewhat responsible, but it's not necessary that you point the finger and blame. Own what you've done wrong or the mistake you've made and get on with it. The fallacy of change. This is a tough one. If you're in a situation where you're struggling, you're suffering, and you want things to be different with yourself and with others, the fallacy of change expects others to change. You only can change yourself. That's the only control you have. And even that is very hard, especially when you have blind spots. Even when your blind spots are revealed, change is difficult without continually progressing and moving forward toward those changes, really taking action. So to expect others to change is really a misperception, a distortion. We can't expect that. Only they have that control, and we don't have control over them doing that. If we live with this expectation of others to change, we will be misperceiving reality. Global labeling. This is an extreme generalization. And this can sneak in in all different kinds of ways. You make up your mind about something, you decide things about certain people, or maybe it's political parties, maybe it's people who like certain kinds of food, or people who like certain kinds of movies. It can really go into many, many different areas. But if you find yourself labeling, especially in extreme generalizations, that indicates that you have some very distorted thoughts. Labeling is a gross exaggeration that indicates there's a lot of misperception happening. It's a misunderstanding of nuance. It's a misunderstanding of reality. And it's a misunderstanding of how people are. People are complicated and complex. They are not able to be labeled in any kind of general way. And when we do that, we kind of take their humanity away. But at the same time, we take our own humanity away because we're not that different from any other human being. What we do to them, we essentially are willing to do to ourselves and are doing to ourselves. The global labeling is a terrible idea. It really hurts relationships. It creates walls. And it makes us live out lies. There's a lot of problems that can be created by labeling. And we will live a very specific kind of impoverished life when we do that. The final one is shoulds. Now, this is an interesting one because it holds tight personal rules of behavior and then judges others and ourselves when we break these rules. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. We ought to do this. We ought to do that. Rights and wrongs. Sometimes this happens because people feel like they have a high moral standard. This kind of distortion is very amorphous and the rules become very hypocritical. It's a very ungracious way to live. So when we're judging ourselves and we're judging others, when these rules are broken of shoulds, we become miserable people and miserable to be around. When we hold tight to these kinds of rules of behavior, we also become punitive people. Rather than holding tight to these personal shoulds, we have to live as best we can, expect the best out of others, but be gracious and graceful to them when people make mistakes or fall short. And be the same to ourselves. Do the best you can. When you make a mistake, own up to the responsibility and try again. This is a more mature way of being. 
an immature person will try to get their act together and try to behave themselves. And when they fail, they'll be very hard on themselves. And when they do well, they'll be very self-congratulatory and self-righteous. They'll talk badly about people who don't measure up. This is a really immature way of being in the world because nobody can meet your standards and not even you. These kind of people are a plague to be around. They tend to be unhappy, complainers, and there is not a lot of joy there. So this kind of distorted thinking of shoulds and holding tight to certain kinds of rules of behavior is kind of a rule book mentality. Instead of having a rule book mentality, we can have values we hold dear and aspire and move toward those values in our daily life, in all the areas of our life, and have some kindness when we fail to ourselves and others. Those are 15, which is hard to keep track of. But if we find ourselves struggling, we might want to see if any of those cognitive distortions are playing a part in making us miserable. Chances are highly likely that we're falling into a few of them. So here's some ideas on how to untwist your thinking. Identify the particular distortion. Look at the list and see which ones you might be falling into. Maybe there is a more realistic and positive alternative that is closer to reality. You can also examine the evidence. Does everybody feel exactly the way you feel? Is this a consensus? Or maybe are you seeing things a little bit askew? Is there any kind of double standard? Are you harder on yourself than other people? Are you harder on other people than yourself and giving yourself a pass? That's an indication of distortion. Remember that life isn't black and white, on or off, this or that. It is shades of gray and nuance. If you begin to think things are polarized, that is an, a childish way of thinking. Normal life, regular life with other people is full of complexity. Stay away from defining terms and labeling, like someone is inferior, someone is a loser, someone is stupid, or those things for yourself. Those are very unhelpful things, and they're, they're not just names and labels, they're kind of decisions and judgments we have in our minds. Those things cement in twisted thinking. We can also give re-attribution. We can take the things we've labeled badly and make them more nuanced. See them with more subtlety. This was an intensive soul school, and I thank you for paying attention to it. You may need to listen to it over, and you'll probably need to look at the chart that I have on these 15 thinking distortions. It is well worth your time. I will likely revisit these distortions again because they're so common to every single one of us. We all have these little distorted ways of perceiving reality. Usually it's based on wounds or experiences we've had, and without really exploring them, without really taking an inventory and investigating them, we continue to live lives that are unnecessarily miserable in certain ways. We continue to alienate people. We continue to miss out on wonderful experiences because we've sectioned ourselves off with our imprisoned thinking. I hope this gives you some insights and maybe some courage to think differently and consider some ways that you've been interacting with other people. I'm really curious about your thoughts for this particular episode, so I hope you might contact me and tell me what you've been thinking about related to this. And I will be back again next week. 
I wish you the best holidays from this Advent time until Epiphany or any of the other holidays that you might celebrate during this time. I wish you blessing and peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.